kind of felt like Chris Rock getting smacked by Will Smith uh, watching the Penguins absolutely destroy the Red Wings on Sunday night or Sunday. Yeah, Sunday night. Um, Yeah, I'm really glad that the world gave us that. So they would stop. Everyone would stop talking about the absolute destruction of the Detroit Red Wings. What do you guys think of that? The uh, it it was was an omen. The The Wings getting the Wings getting shit kicked was an omen for what was going to happen at the Oscars that night. (laughs) Most watchable thing ever. Thoughts? You have no uh, no thoughts? Like, did you see it or no? Yeah, I saw. I don't don't know. I lost (laughs) IQ watching it. So I think it was crazy. Like, I I woke up to like Twitter like in a frenzy at whatever five a.m. I wake up at, and it was nuts. And I told Emma, I told Emma this morning, there's like this, uh, there's like this trend on TikTok where like pe- this people will like just tell like their friends, like this, like really random lie and like the friends like believe them. So she thought I was doing that to her about this. Cause it's a very random thing. Like if you didn't have no idea what's going on. So I, I just thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that Will Smith decided to take some heat off the Red Wings being, being a, being a huge Flyers fan that he is, he doesn't want to see the Penguins in the lime the limelight. So I appreciate that. Um, good on, good, good on, on him. him. But yeah. So yeah, the Red Wings are down bad. We'll get into all of that, but first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Um, so, yeah. So, the Red Wings played four games since we last recorded. Um, none good. Actually, no, the Flyers game was good. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch. I don't think they really count as an organization right now. Yeah, I if the if the Red Wings played the Flyers 82 games a season, we'd be great. We'd be going to the finals. We, we might not win. <laughs> they won't they won't go to the finals. Against the Flyers? Just 82 well, all, all games. 82, you're saying 82 games. That's all regular season, but then we're gonna make the playoffs and then have to play an actual team. Right. Yeah. Okay. Two team league, just us and the Flyers. Actually, the Sabres can be thrown in there too because we're four 0 against the Sabres this year. But right now, I think the Sabres would absolutely donkey kick us. Yeah, Wouldn't I think the Sabres would manhandle the Red Wings. Current iteration of the Red Wings, uh, we wouldn't be close. I don't know. I think I would take Tage Thompson one on five, one on six. He could play without a goalie, and I think I'd take Tage Thompson right now. Yes. Yeah. He's so good, man. Jeff Skinner's contract all of a sudden looks good. It doesn't look good, but it's he's been better. Right. <laughs> it looks good right. for Buffalo. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the, the best way to start is just diving right into the, the worst of it, and we can kind of slowly, like, pick back on points from the other games. But, uh, yeah, the Red Wings lost 11 to 2. 11 to fucking 2. I can't like uh, I can go from Prashant Thayer like worst goals against in a season the past 25 years. Uh, only the 90 99 2000 Atlanta Thrashers have had a have had a worst goals against average. And it was only by point zero zero two. So that's yeah. You know, and they were pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah. And don't worry. Yeah. Red Wings were second at three point eight even. 
and then the fifth was the 1920 Red Wings. So we're worse than the the 1920 Red Wings that paraded out Madison Bowie religiously in the corpse of Mike Green and Jonathan Erickson and Trevor Daly. No offense, Andy. Friends, we talking about Trevor Daly. Yeah, he was a good NHLer when he played in the NHL. Tell you, freaking Kim Detroit. Yeah, Detroit ruined him. I feel like that's what happens with a lot of Pittsburgh players. They thrive in Pittsburgh and they go somewhere else and are junk. They just get well, he used. Thrived, he thrived in Dallas too. Yeah, he I guess. He, he, was, he was phenomenal in Dallas. When, and then Chicago was kind of a, a flop. And Detroit, he signed because he would be closer to home. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Shit. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks, Trev. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you. Yeah. It's funny. I, I got I got plenty of, you know, a big old dose of penguin action because I went to I went to the Batman movie uh, right before the game. And, you know, I should I should have known it was going to be bad. It was going to be bad because, you know, the penguin was all over and then the penguins are all over the Red Wings. So quite the switch there. Andy, did you see the Batman movie or no? No, I haven't. Oh, I was going to talk Batman a little bit. I want Pretty to, good. Pretty I good. I'd give it a four to five right now. That's how I feel about it. It's it's not bad. Four to five. Four to five. Who does ratings in fives? It's always out of ten. I was gonna say right, it's let's say eighty percent rating, so it's still yeah, successful. I'd, yeah, I can't so do that math. Eight out of ten. Okay, there. <laughs> you can't do that math. No. So just think about it as uh, Adalkovich's save percentage in the year. Okay. Yeah. Seventy six. <laughs> well, he had he had what a sixty nine percent in this game. Yeah. Nice. It was bad. It was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, eleven to two. I goal by goal would just take so long in this game, but the Red Wings are down six nothing until they scored their first goal, and they, no one showed up. Grant, I think you said something about Dylan Larkin just being beaten down in this game. I want you to like go on go into that a little bit. Uh, I don't think it was just this game. It's been recently since he had that decently long point streak going. Actually, I would go as far to say as even just the Toronto game when they lost 10 to 7. He's been a mess defensively. Um, almost in the sense that just all over the place in the D zone, which you haven't really seen this year, which is which is not something you like to see. It's kind of drifty and waiting for someone to make the first play. Almost like what Suter's doing lazy on coverage and just losing your man. It's happening so often with Larkin and Suter recently. I think they have been a minus almost every game that line. Uh, you look down the board each game. I think both top two lines are a minus every game recently, which that was not the case before. I mean, Bertuzzi's plus minus was like plus 14, probably before that Toronto game, and now I think he's a plus two on the season. Right. Uh, it's just unacceptable. It's not a good look. Defensively, this team is just horrendous right now. It's terrible to watch, to be honest with you. If you look across the board, the only time that players are even or plus is the guys that are playing 10 minutes a night. Yeah. I forgot who's the – there was like two even Zadina, players. Zadina was even. I'm almost positive. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know why, but <laughs> get into that. Yeah, there, there's also uh, three players that didn't have record a point yesterday for Pittsburgh. 
Dumoulin, I believe it was. Oh, who was twenty? Petters is Petterson. Yep. Twenty-eight okay. and Tristan Jarry. I misspoke. Zadina was a minus two. He was even at like the eight goal mark or something like that. Uh, Verano was minus one. Hiroshi was minus one. Ernie was minus one, and I have a lot to say about him. To be honest with you, I that shouldn't play into anything. That minus one there, he's been horrendous. Uh, Levy was a uh, even. He played 16 minutes and 47 seconds. That's impressive. impressive. That's, That's very really impressive. impressive. Gagne was even, and he played 15 minutes. Yeah, also, I, I think I knew Gagne was even. That's the one I was going to say. Also, Valeno played 15 minutes and was a minus one. Eh, that's pretty good. And Verano the 16, 16 minutes as a defenseman and being even is impressive. I guess Gagne, too, if he was even at 15. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just there's so much to dive into here, like play wise with some of these guys. It's just it hurts. Yeah, I feel I feel like early on, like I think Grant, you said we said this about the first period. Like we didn't feel that Ned was particularly bad in the first period. It was just the Red Wings like were just terrible. No, I mean, I going think he back, made two huge saves in the first period. Yes. Like I'm trying to think the the captain goal. What are you supposed to do there? Wide open in front of the net, he dekes you out. Yeah, that was really he nice slid. Move. Yeah, it was that was sick. Um, he did get picked by Bluger, but like again, it happens. It was a snipe. I understand if you think, okay, maybe you want a big save there, but that was a really nice shot. He just bit a little too hard. Yeah, and I think we can like this game. I don't know. I feel like I want to get into the coaching conversation because that's the most obvious thing here. And I know a lot of like, obviously the fan, most of it is fire blast. And I completely understand. And it's very warranted. Um, And it almost seems like he's not trying at this point. I don't know. When you look at the lineup, you're like, what, like, what is this? Like, I know Ernie didn't end up playing on the second line, but it was written up as him, and it was a line at one point, but Ernie Suter Sunquist is your second line. I don't know. Do you care to score goals? That's just my question. I look at that a little differently, to be honest with you. How so? I don't think that's the second line. I, I look at Verona, Valeno, and Gagne as the second line. Also, you can make the argument that why is Gagne up there when you have a young player in Zadina who's been playing relatively well when you play him and give him ice time and Gagne's an aging veteran that kills penalties and plus minus he looks good and he plays good defensively but what is that going to do for your future as we as it is a team that isn't going to make the playoffs and Gagne's not a guy that's probably going to be resigned so why not put time into a player that is 22, 23. I, I don't particularly understand the thought process there. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's good. Well, I was just saying, like, you just nailed it on the head. Like, Zadina has been playing well as of late, like, relatively well. And what, why is he not? I'm a, if you're going to be hard on him when he's not playing well and you're going to sit him and scratch him, you have to reward him when he's playing relatively well and doing 
the right things, at least maybe he's not scoring. Sure. But if he's doing the things that you're asking of him, you have to reward him. Now, I don't know what Blasio is asking of Zadina, but his game for an eye test anyways, has been a lot better the last couple, last week or so, last couple weeks, relatively, like you said, Grant, but it's just mind boggling to me. I've been looking at his impacts too, from a game to game basis, and they seem like, they're getting better from where they were at like mid season. Um, but yeah, like again with that, like it just kind of goes back into the lineup decisions defensive defensively. I, I kind of get like, especially with Mark Stahl out, we kind of just have guy, guy, guy on the line, the lineup chart. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, again, Grant kind of going back to like guys on offense, like it, it's obvious the guys aren't buying into the system right now. I know you brought up Ernie too, and, and I want to bring up Suter as well as a guy who defensively, as someone who has been prided most of the season as a defensive center. I mean, that first goal, like he was nowhere to be found. I think a lot of this back half of the season, he just gets lost in plays. And I always think back to that Edmonton game where he was fantastic. I I honestly think that was his best game all season. The one at home? And, Yes, and there's been other games where he's been good, but particularly playing against McDavid that whole game, McDavid scored once, and I don't think he was on the ice for it. No, it was Larkin line for that one. Yep, exactly. I I think back to that and know the player that he actually is and don't see that player right now. And that's got to be something internal that's going on there, whether it's locker room or coaching staff. He's just – I think – to t- touch on that, I think we're seeing what we saw of Suter in Chicago late last year as well. He started off decently well, like, you know, for first year in the league. But then his defensive struggles, which we said, like, we weren't too sure on when he signed in Detroit. I think we're just seeing that come to fruition where he's just kind of proving our second guesses right, I guess. I don't, like, I don't know how to say that, but, like, he's he's just – not defensively there. I don't find him at all. And yeah. Do we, hasn't do been we see him as more of a winger at the – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just said in his offensive game hasn't been – not that anyone on the wings has really been there, but, like, hasn't been there lately either, so. Yeah, I guess my question is, do we see him more as a winger at this point now? I see where you're coming from. No, I do not. He, he's a center. I think there is something internally going on there. I see what Andy's saying about the whole Chicago thing because he did take steps back. But I think that was from change of line mates also in Chicago. I think he was getting less ice time with Kaner, which he was really good when he was with Kaner. He was getting so many opportunities to shine and stuff where we saw his game very good playing with Burton Fabs and even just playing on the second line and playing normal ice. I think Honestly, we, we've seen what he can do defensively, and sure, he's not going to chip in a point every game or sometimes even half a game, half point per play, game per player. Um, I do see him as a center, though. I think he could be a really good third-line center. I just think there's more that needs to be done there, and it's pretty apparent that it's coming from the top down where he you've lost a player almost. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Like finding the right, like, I agree with him with you with him being a 
third line center. He does need to obviously sharpen up his defensive game if he's going to play that role a little bit more, which will come if he's surrounded with the right roster players as well. Which, like you, like you're, I think you're alluding to anyways. If not, I just read into it, but we need to have the right roster makeup to have enough offense and defensive players and some two-way players mixed in there to be a good NHL team, which every NHL team that is good successfully has that. But it's frustrating when we've given up uh, what, like 70 goals in the last month or something like that. I don't know. Wasn't like, it, I think it was like 74 or something like that. But yeah, it's just ridiculous. Our goals That's, against was 5.09 in the past so, 15 games. A guy at work today. Uh, he's a Wings fan too. He he said, "Put this in perspective. That's a football score. That's yeah. seventy-seven to fourteen." And I was like, "Holy!" I was like, <laughs> "Like they just blew way out of proportion." Obviously, comparing different scorings, but still, I was like, "Yeah, that's it's not great." <laughs> yeah, this is the first time in the cap era that a team has given up eleven goals. I love yeah. how I was saying that the I the, is this worse than the Arizona loss? I think it is. Uh, oh. At least it's to a good team. Yeah, that's the only. Way, that's the only. That's the only counteractive like argument I have. But there's different ways to look at that. Arizona was on a back to back. Pittsburgh was not. Detroit was on a back to back against Pittsburgh. I think the Arizona one was almost worse. Okay, you're playing one of the worst teams in the league, and you get completely embarrassed when they're on a back to back and have to travel to Detroit. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I also this one is very embarrassing too. Obviously, right. the Rings have had so many embarrassing losses this year. It's actually wild to me. My my question for you guys is: When does the twelve goal deficit come? Our twelve goal game. Well, Pittsburgh fans wanted it. At the, I don't know if you saw at the end of the game. Yeah, they were chanting. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't see. It. I didn't watch it. They were chanting, "We want twelve with fifty seconds left." And Pittsburgh <laughs> players were going. They were trying. Like Jordan Osterley ragged the puck at the end, so they like wouldn't touch it. It was it, pretty embarrassing. I guess where my title of this episode is "We Want 12. <laughs> so bad. That's, um, good. That's a good title. I, I, I think like so that. too. I think so too. It's just so. Oh, I was so embarrassed. I was cringing. I was like, "Ooh, I didn't like that. That was mean." It was funny because I think online there was this Pittsburgh fan that tweeted, "It's like it feels a good like a good day to beat the Red Wings by six. And all the Red Wing fans are like, that's not going to happen. You're stupid. Well, did you see Pat McAfee's tweet before the game? <laughs> no, I didn't. I and everyone was saying, jinx, jinx. Now, like, the Pens are going to lose or whatever. Because he said uh, the Red Wings are about to get smacked by the Penguins or something like that. Yeah, he tweeted yeah. that. And then well, also on Twitter, I sent you that DM of that, that kid that um, just went through his treatments or whatever. What was Which it? one? The he uh, beat cancer. Yeah, that Brian little Boyle. Kid. And Brian Boyle and Casey DeSmith took a picture with him. Oh, and yeah. Under that, I've put in our group chat Pittsburgh by six. Yes. And yeah. they upped me a little bit, but. Yeah, they definitely got. And Brian Boyle scored, which honestly was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I like I Brian. I honestly love Brian Boyle. Me too, me man. Too. I love that guy. Yeah, that's pretty cool for that kid to see it a smacking on that day that he gets to. Yeah, absolutely, man. I wish you know. I'm I'm glad there's some some light to that. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, the Red Wing fans were hoping for some possible light in news today with uh, possible. Like, I loved Lucas Raymond had a birthday. It was Lucas Raymond's birthday today. So happy birthday, Lucas, uh, 20th. He's the best goat, whatever. Um, but the the Red Wings social media team got ratioed hard in the quote tweets because it was like announced that Blashill firing instead of wishing Lucas Raymond a happy birthday. It was so mad. Uh, uh, but yeah, let's uh yeah, let's have a conversation about Jeff. Let's talk about old Jeffy boy. Um I was not surprised to see wake up this morning and not be newsed to see about Jeff Blashold needing a new job. Um, Steve Eisman is a little bit busy in Florida right now during the GM's meeting. So he, I knew he wasn't making any decisions today and he's not going to because the Red Wings aren't a reactionary organization. They're not, they never have been. Um, but with a smacking like that and how the way things have gone recently, I did tweet off in the podcast account that, it would be more beneficial for the Red Wings to move on from Blasio right now. There needs to be a little accountability with the team and how things are going. Dylan Larkin, even in the press conference, was like, "Well, we're building towards next season." Oof. I understand. I understand they're not going to make playoffs, but to hear a player on a team say that about a season, just basically punting, it's pretty pretty tough to hear. Yep. So, um, yeah, let's. I don't like I I want to hear your guys's opinion on whether or not the Red Wings sh- like is is the right thing to move on from Blashill. I know they're not going to but is the right thing to right now. So I don't know if this is a bad take or a bad look on things, but if I'm a GM, I'm pulling a player that I think is going to be in the organization or a, a future captain for a long time where his head's at like a Dylan Larkin, I'm pulling him aside and having a legit one-on-one with him and asking him what it's like in the locker room, where things are at, which I'm, I would think that's happened or happening. Uh, I think you really need to sit down and have a one-on-one with a player like that and see what's going wrong and where everything's at. And then I guess weigh decisions. If you value just stability and get through the season or if you think that things are actually going sideways and you're hurting development or if you don't think it's affecting things and you just want to finish it out and not get sloppy and try to look for an interim or throw an assistant in there as interim that's where it gets really confusing I I I guess I can see it from both perspectives I think in no way shape or form should Blash will be associated with the Red Wings next year. Just any results of this year have proved why. And he has never had, never been successful as a coach over the last, what, eight years, seven years? Seven. Seven, okay. No success. I understand those teams were pretty weak. But this team has talent. Uh, I think you have legit players on the team. You have one future star player and then some very talented players that you should not be losing by nine goals ever. You shouldn't even be giving up seven goals in a game ever. Any In any league, especially a professional league, where you have an NHL patch on your jersey, you should not be losing by nine goals. 
Yep. If you're not te- technically, I, I'd say more than six, but that the odd game does happen. But anything close within three of double digits should not happen. You guys are still professional athletes at the be- in the best league in the world. Like, there's no excuse for it, in my opinion. It's just kind of how I look at it. And going on your comment about Blashill, how he shouldn't be <coughs> affiliated with the Red Wings name next season, we should just erase the last seven years and just say he was never a coach. We just played with nobody behind the bench. <laughs> That's how I always felt of him. Yeah, I mean, it was always the Frickin excuse. Or, it was always the excuse, like, like the beginning of the rebuild he's like well he doesn't have any talent he had all he did so well in grand rapids he's just a developmental coach and it's just like everything i'm seeing from him just says completely opposite of being a developmental coach you look towards like every like failed like only players that have really thrived under blashell have been guys who were going to thrive the dylan larkins the Lucas Raymonds and the Moritziders, guys who were very high end to begin with tyler bertuzzi is i guess a success story that we could claim for jeff blashell um, cause he was a second round pick, but you look at the likes of Mantha was always like, Oh, he's right there. He can make that next step. He's going to be an elite scorer in this league. Never got there. Andreas Athanasiu never figured out his defensive game. Uh, we look at current, like more recently, Dennis Shalowski and Evgeny Svechnikov. And then we also have Philip Zadina this year. Um, and it's just, I don't understand where that is. Um, also the comments from Frank Zeravalli today on his podcast, uh, the DFO rundown, where he says there is serious friction with young players and Jeff Blaschel in the locker room right now. Um, you're supposed to be a developmental coach and being keyed in with young guys. And that's always been something he's been built with. And when you're losing relationships like that, I mean, I granted, I don't think it's Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, like he plays them plenty every night. That's not going to be the case. It's definitely Philip Zadina. Look at his ice time. Dude played nine minutes last game in an 11 yeah. 2 loss. If at that point in the game when you're losing that bad, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I played growing up, that's when you just, the coach would just roll lines. It didn't matter at that point. Yeah. Like my last year of juniors, if I was, if we were down by three and I was a, I was a third, fourth line guy, I played, I'd play 16 minutes a night because I was usually playing nine or 10. Right. That's when I get all my ice time. So it's obvious he doesn't trust Zadina in any sort of way, and he'd be the natural fit to be the one pissed at Blaschel. Yeah, and even so, like, in those scenarios, typically your three, four, and then your two, three, and four lines play more than your first line, but typically your three and four lines will start playing more just because you're already down and out. Why would you waste their energy on the top lines when they're going to score? Like, especially you have a – like obviously not the case, but well, actually it wasn't the case. We were back to back, but it was the second latter half of a back to back. Those guys should just be playing, anyways. In my right. opinion, like, like you're not going to be down anything. Like, what's another goal at that point? Exactly. Five goals at that point, like, right? You know, it's already it's already so bad. And again, like, I don't get it with him. Uh, I our our important guys, guys like Larkin, um. Verana, Bertuzzi, and starting to now being thrown into that with the likes of Nadalkovich, Sider, Raymond. I know it's our first season, but they can't go through losses like this. We have the third worst goal differential in the league right now, only in front of Arizona and Montreal, which is embarrassing. And look at where we are in the standings. Does not say the same story, but 
it's just not like when we were propped up pretty early on in the season from winning OT and shootout games. I think we have something like 14 regulation wins on the season. If I'm not mistaken, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, I understand again, like I knew there wasn't going to be a move, but I, I guess my question is whether or not there's more damage being done finishing out the season with Jeff Blaschel, or if we were to fire him and just promote a Tangay or Doug Huda and just let him sit behind the bench and let him let them do it. Do you I think this is a thing though, where the whole staff needs to go? I know that is getting a little crazy, uh, but it's, I don't, it's hard to just rebuild a whole staff. And I, I think I, I liked what Huda almost did last year and how defensive the Red Wings how they were on the penalty kill and defensively as a horrible team with injuries, all the whole front you're playing in the best division division in the league. And you put up pretty, like you were competitive this year against good teams. And in certain games, you're not competitive at all. You didn't see that last year. There was probably one game. I, the only game I remember was that Florida game where they got murdered in Florida. It was and like six team, one or something like that. Yes. And I think that might've been the worst game that season. They had a Nashville game. Nashville game where, yep. uh, Grimaldi. Grimaldi scored four goals. But you you were actually a bad team that year, and you were injuries up the front. This year, it's not the same. It shouldn't be the same. You should be competing every night. This goal differential should be closer to probably even to minus 10. Yep. That's, yeah. Like, the difference we saw last year is at least they were competing every single night because they had to. Like the guys they had in the lineup for the majority of the time, they were fighting for an NHL job for this year, essentially. Like trying to continue on a contract this year, you don't. I don't see the effort in there either. Like if you're going to lose eleven to two, go out there and make it a hard eleven to two loss. Like go out there and hit everything in sight. Go out there and play your balls off, <laughs> your bag off, you know, and make it make them earn it. Like some of these games, it doesn't even look like like we've always had to. We said it a bunch of times about different games throughout the whole season, where we well put it this way: it's easier to count the games where we've had twelve forwards and six D and a one goaltender actually show up and play. Probably count that on one hand. Play a solid B B B rating game at the lowest is like the lowest grade on the team, where. And that goes for effort, overall play, and everything like that. Like, majority of the games this year, we're seeing guys take nights off and one line's running it, running the show. One defenseman's running the show, maybe two. Or earlier in the season, the Delcovich was saving our bacon and keeping us in games or relatively close within two or three goals where it should be, like, a six- or seven-goal differential. Where, like, I just don't see the effort there this year underneath Blasio or uh, from the players, which that's all on the players ultimately, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care what your coach is doing. If you, you, you can control what you can control, and that's how you play on the ice. There's... Ultimately, the p- players need to be buying into a system, though. Exactly. And, and, they're and them out. they haven't. I mean, you look at, like, and I, I, granted, I don't, yeah, players, it's such a tough to like, Blasio's systems haven't been good. We look at we look at when the Red Wings do have a lead, they they'll get a lead like in the third period. I think there was a 
he was Prashant's for the Tampa Bay game. I think it was, or it was a lead sometime later. Like, but anyway, Prashant Iyer on Twitter had it like where the Red Wings were pushing pressure until about the six, six minutes left in the game. And then they went completely. It was like, it was like this, like the, like a, I don't know. Like I'm explaining it like over the screen for listeners. It's just such a bad idea. Anyway, they're putting in a bunch of pressure and all of a sudden they just went shell and they, and then and they ended up losing the game. Because that's what Blashill does. And then when we lose games like this, he refuses to change his system. So I don't get where the the non-change, like he doesn't, he's not like, all right, let's just go for it. Like go out all offense. You're down by three. You need to start pushing where he decides he's going to try to be better defensively. Like it's hard to make up a three goal lead without like trying to push the pace. That's all I'm saying. It's almost like he's when they get down like this, he's like, all right, we've accepted that. And we're just going to try to even we're going to play even the rest of the game. Yeah, it's frustrating. I've had like I've never had a, in my experience of playing hockey a, a beating that bad. But we've been like shelled pretty decently. And in those games, our coach basically kind of just looked at us. He goes, you guys don't want to listen to me. Go out there and play however you want. I don't give a shit anymore. And Dude. we actually started playing better. Like, like we actually did, like he literally said, I don't give it. You guys don't care. I don't care anymore either. You'll play whoever wants to go out there on the ice, go next. I'm not calling lines. And we actually like, obviously awakening on the team. We come back like a couple goals and played a good last, however many minutes left. And here it just looks like Blashill's like, I would rather him, honestly, I'd rather him say that. If you guys don't care, try, you just go out there and do whatever you guys want. And that's, yeah, it might be better. Like, who knows? Like he might be like, all right, whatever. It's just getting really repetitive that this shows up every night. Yeah. And it's the same thing unless they play Philadelphia or Buffalo. I I honestly, if I'm not, I don't think he will be here next year. But once you start getting into some of these prospects and you've seen in the past development issues, there's two prospects that really worry me that need to be, they need to be held with ease and cooled into an NHL spot and two of them that are very highly skilled and can flourish, but they need to be timed out perfectly. And you need to take time, like be very hands-on with them and almost, I don't know if the baby them is the right word, but you can't just not play them. There's the two that I'm saying are two forward prospects and it's Elmer Soderbloom and Jonathan Bergeron. They are both highly skilled forwards that do not play a very defensive game. And I, I don't think their progression as, as young players will end up well in Jeff Blaschel's system. No, I actually, I thought you were going to throw William Wallander in there, to be honest. I thought you were going to go with him. No, I, I do think Albert Johansson is an interesting one to follow, though. I think Wallander is fair is progressed pretty well defensively um, where Johansson still has a lot of flaws defensively. Right. Yeah. No. And I absolutely agree. Like I don't want his hands on anything we do developmental wise. Like I'm, it makes me glad that Eisman's uh, comments and during his press conference saying that Bergeron was probably not going to see time in the NHL this year. I'd rather Good. not. Good. Keep him away. He's been playing very they play him in a, a sort of role where he can mess up and they don't care. And I want that for him. I want him to be able to make mistakes and learn from his mistakes. As a, yeah, as he should. 
like there'll be some games where he's playing with Riley Barber and those two are so fun to watch together. I don't know if you saw his goal last night. I did. It was just, they threw probably five passes to each other. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. The give, the give and go. Um, But like a guy like Simon Edmondson does not bug me at all no. because it's kind of, I wouldn't put him on the exact same area as cider, but it's a big defenseman that's going to come in and be very good right away where other players take time. And I think he botched Anthony Mantha. I don't think he'd be the player he is now. I think he'd be better if yes. he was under a different coaching staff. I think Athanasiu could be better. I don't know if he would be. I think there was more to his, more to him than there was Mantha. I think I've All really was, liked Man- yeah. Man- Mantha's play. I've really liked recently in Washington watching him. He's played really well with Nick Backstrom. They play kind of a similar slower pace style and they create a lot of room for each other and make plays and you can throw, I mean, and Tom Wilson has been on that line, but you can throw in whoever and they look really good. But I, I like Dennis Shlowski, I know you brought him up. I still think there was so much there. That was just, yes. he's so talented. Dude could skate. And his shot was sneaky. Good. Yeah. Not sneaky, not sneaky at all. It was really good. And he was the kind of power play QB, like he's not an elite guy, but like he was able to move the puck and like actually hold it with confidence. But it seemed like every chance that like, let's say he messed up once and it was like, all right, you're playing 12 minutes a night the rest of the year. Yeah, there's uh, another bone I have to pick right now. I, I don't see why Jordan Osterley is running the second unit when you have Jake oh Wallman, who's God. never got, he's never gotten any opportunity anywhere he's played. And you already have seen that he's a very good skater and very poised. And cool with the puck. Let him play on the second puck play. I don't care. Yeah, I want to. I want to break down like that. I I did that right now, but I do want to break down Wallman's game in a little bit, like to, to finish up Blashill. Yeah, there's. I don't see there a world where he comes back next season. I I I know this. Like, I know it's easy for people on the outside looking in and be like, all right, standings don't matter. The Red Wings don't care. Like, well, I mean, we should care a little bit. Like, there's plenty of guys here that are going to be here next year, and it's all about buying into a system and buying into where this team's going to be. And with, without a conversation like Grant brought up earlier with Larkin, which I'm, I'm sure probably has happened, but without that players are kind of just playing for the paycheck. Like they're just there to clock in and out. Like most people are on a, you know, nine to five. And that's what worries me uh, about this process. Like, I don't see a way where we significantly improve before Wednesday's game. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I understand that this defense is pretty bad right now. It's not good, which is fine. But that didn't matter last year. It didn't matter who we had in the lineup last year. And I just I'm curious where the where Blashill is he's lost the room. And I'm just curious to what has changed. Yeah, I, I guess I brought up Larkin as an example earlier too. But I want to bring up a guy like Bertuzzi. He's taken leaps back this year, or not this year, but this back half of the season, he's not been the same player. He's a pest defensively and he's a freak while he has the puck on his stick. Like you can, he's one of the hardest players to take off the puck in my opinion, because he's such a pest, but recently defensively, he's been very lackluster in my eyes, just not in passing lanes as much and shooting out as much where there's issues that need to be solved. Gus Lindstrom has not been himself. Ooh. He's been rough around the edges. Uh, 
I don't know. There's a lot going on there. And I thought that pen- the penalty kill was starting to look a little bit better like for a stretch of two games. And then it just went Oof. back to its old self. Holy shit, is it bad? Can I hop in real quick? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so remember the conversation we had earlier in the year about what is Giovanni Smith for the Red Wings and how we need to develop him into a penalty killer or something like that if we want to keep him around? Yep. And you said, well, we have Bertuzzi, Larkin, and stuff like that can do that. This is, I think, the time of year, especially when we're not going to make the playoffs, where A, he sh- those types of players should be getting those roles like we already mentioned. But also this type of year, say we, we are making the playoffs, but it's also the dog days of the season. Like, say you're in the playoff picture already and kind of like three, four games down the road where we're getting ready to secure a playoff spot where those types of players are a player like Giovanni Smith, if he could penalty kill and do those things would also save Bertuzzi and Larkin for the playoffs. Like that's where I was getting at. Like, Oh, I mean, I don't know how many episodes ago, how long ago that was, but like, that's where I was getting at. And like, I don't know if I can't remember if I said like Blashill needs to figure out what he's doing on, what he's going on, like what's going on, what he's going to do with these guys. But whoever's the coach, whoever wants to do this for the organization needs to figure out these players because those types of like our top guys can't be keep playing 27, 28 minutes a night and doing everything like that. And because we're, we're seeing it right now, like not saying that Bertuzzi has, uh, it, it doesn't take any onus on how he's playing, but like maybe he's just worn down. Yeah. I, I can I mean? totally see that too. I mean, I, there's, just so many players that I think have been a lot worse than they were at the start of the season. Oh yeah. That's back half of the season. This has got to go somewhere on the coaching staff. You like Gar said earlier, you totally lost the room there. I I don't know that one guy is completely there right now. I guess Jake Wallman's literally been the best player for Detroit the last couple of games. I I honestly think so. I, I don't, know that there is another good player right now. Uh, can you guys think of one up front? I think Joe Valeno is a good one to point out. I think he's been very good. I Otherwise, Phil like, Aronek has even taken steps back after playing really good before. I'd almost, I don't know, like I haven't watched the last two games, but I don't know how he played. I saw he scored, but it's like Sunquest maybe just because he's new. Like he just kind of wants to, like I haven't seen how he's played. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've liked his game. I, I think he, there's a lot a lot there that to like but okay so maybe him and wallman which are the two new it's, guys it's really embarrassing pathetic. that they come in and they're two of the best guys on the team right now i i honestly would throw them two in valeno in a mix right now the most consistent players of late yeah um yeah to touch up on the rest of this game i guess we can get off of you know our bad coaching and stuff like that um I'll, actually i want to go <laughs> I have one more. I, I'm going to pick on Blashell again. Also, the power play that's been pissing me off. He's just decided that two of the guys in the second units is just rotating. Did you notice that? No. So Zadina's not like a permanent member. It was him, Valeno, um, Rasmussen, and I think Su- or Sunquist. Those, those, so those, four, those four are rotating. But don't worry, Osterley's permanent. Um, I, also- I really want to take charge of that power play for a stretch of five games. I would it's- do wonders to that thing. Yeah, I literally would switch up all, both units completely. Mm-hmm. They it is 
so obnoxious the way they're running the power play right now. I think it makes no sense to have no talent on. I shouldn't say no talent. There's talent there uh, when you have Zadina there. Um, you need more than just Zadina with Verona. Verona needs someone to – one power play should be solely focused on feeding Verona. That's why the, the five-on-three unit that he's doing does not work. No one knows what to do with the puck because you have Verona on a, his offhand. So, yes, they kind of want to feed him. They kind of don't. And then Cider's so used to playing catch with Raymond because that's how they run the first unit, which I'm totally okay with them two being on their own unit. I almost think I would want Larkin feeding Verona on the other unit. I think they need to base a unit off of Larkin, Verona, and base a unit off Cider and Raymond and have maybe Bertuzzi on there, and then you fill in pieces as you go. You have enough pieces to make two good units. Why do we have one good unit and then Verona on his own? Okay. Coach, where would you put Valeno? Because he asked, there's no way he shouldn't be on a, one of the units. In my Val- Valeno should be net front on one of the units. Which one? I, put it, I would put him with I, I put him with Larkin's unit because then yeah. you can have Bertuzzi, who's a puck hound, with Raymond and Cider. And I'd throw okay. Zadina on the one T. And I don't know who you throw a bumper. I don't really care. Yeah. Typically, just, probably Fabry if he was healthy. Yeah, there just has to be change. You can't you can't just roll one unit with simply Verona. Right, he has no looks, and you're you're playing him at the goal line now. Yeah, half, half that game he was playing at the goal line. That makes what sense does that make? Hey, he scored a goal line goal against Minnesota. He's gonna do it again. Yeah, let's just keep him at the goal line. He he'll be really impactful there. We're basically playing four on four, but Verona just stands at the goal line and looks pretty. Yeah, I also want to mention really obnoxious. Uh, you mentioned before in a throwaway comment with Adam Ernie, do we give him a couple licks too? I just don't see a fit for him. I don't think he should be wearing a red and white uniform ever again, unless it's like red and white. I keep trying to think of a team. Sugarhounds, yeah. Halloween maybe. <laughs> yeah, he should age back and play for the Sugarhounds or something. He can go. He can go play for Carolina or something like that. No, he's not good enough to even play for Charlotte Checkers. So he can post a throwback Thursday when it comes up of him getting torched by Malkin. Oh <laughs> my God! Gagne Malkin stole God. Too. Oh yeah, Gagne and <laughs> Ernie got torched by Malkin. I'm really glad that's gonna be put in his career highlight reel when his his career finishes up. That reminded me of like, remember that that goal he scored versus Tampa, like when Dwayne Rollison was goalie. Yeah, that wasn't as nice. I, I think that Evgeny Malkin, as a kid growing up, like I had a weird thing where I'd watch uh, Evgeny Malkin highlights before a game because I thought it was Evgeny Malkin, and then I wasn't. I was a big power forward, but I I used to watch his uh some of his highlights before a game because it really pumped me up. I thought he had the best highlights in the league. You want to do you he, want to tell everyone your height before so they just you know know what you look like before you call yourself a power forward? <laughs> it was a joke. That's why I said I was a power forward. I was, I'm I'm five seven or five eight. <laughs> hey, I'm, a t- I'm a tall five a, eight. I was a power forward, defensive forward, I'm five nine. I was also. I'm just saying, is his <laughs> are his highlights not electric? Oh yeah, they're oh, they're yeah. awesome. Absolutely. I think his highlights are my favorite to watch. I mean, he torched Tampa Bay in his whole career. Uh, his goal against was it Carolina where he scored that backhand snipe in the playoffs, yes. that turnaround shot. 
Oh on Cam God. Ward. Yeah, dude, that was that's one of my favorite goals of all time. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk about the Red Wings two goals quick before we kind of. I want to um, touch on the new guys, but uh, Dylan Larkin was like he looked like he just solved world hunger when he scored the the first goal and make it six one that fist pump. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that was hard. Like, I, were you trying to hurt someone, Dill? Uh, nice little play, I guess, uh, down low to from was it Raymond, right? To I, I don't even want to break these down. There's nothing good. Okay, I, there's, I have about, nothing to say. Uh, Verona scored a sweet goal where he stole the puck from Matheson and scored five hole. That was neat. Cool. What was I think I literally tweeted. I think I literally tweeted that was neat. Six two. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's when we were coming back. Yeah. But the Penguins were just lucky there's not a four-period thing because the 11-2 lead is the most dangerous lead in hockey. Also, it should be noted, the Red Wings have gone to the third period down 7-2 three times this year. That's pretty impressive. That is really impressive. That is something. Who do, who do we got next game? Uh, yeah, the Rangers on TNT. Then like Ottawa two games in a row. Oh, oh, we are so losing both of those games. Yep. Oh, yeah. For sure. Pesky sense. Yeah, not pesky Red Wings, that's for sure. Um, let's talk let's talk about the new guys. Um, let's start with Oscar Sunquist. Um as advertised, do we think? Yeah, I would say a little bit better than as advertised. I know he got a lot of flack from recent injuries that he's been not playing as good. I think he came in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that he still has a lot left in the tank despite having a couple of injury troubles as of the last couple of years. I've loved him in a third to fourth line role. I think he's very – that first game he played with Giovanni and Valeno, he was, that line was great, and then they don't care anymore. Uh, let's throw him with Suter. Why not? Yeah, I know Giovanni got hurt that game because he did get his ass whooped twice in a fight. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't good. So that injury still lingering. And I did think that line was the Red Wings' probably best line. I thought they were excellent all game, especially Giovanni and Sunquist both getting hard on the forecheck, which was really nice because that's something I wrote in the article. But uh, my article, anyway, check that out. Um, both players were hard on the forecheck and something the Red Wings had really lacked this season. Aside from like the first couple of games where Fabry and Bertuzzi were just junkyard dogs, that's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, like the Red Wings don't really have a player like Sunquist. I mean, six three, two ten, big boy. Um, but yeah, I ultimately, I ultimately see him as like a, a fine third liner, but a good fourth liner. He also he uses that size. Like, there's a lot of yes. like we have guys like Rasmussen who's six six or six seven who plays like he's five four. Sometimes, most nights. I have something positive to say about Rasmussen. He's been de- decent. Uh, decent, decent. But uh, instead of being bad every shift, he's only bad every other shift right now. Yeah. So there are shifts that I enjoy Baby steps. Him. Baby steps. Soon, Six foot seven baby steps. Soon maybe it'll be every, every other shift he'll be bad. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully. I think my my – Goal fourth line for next season is Rasmussen Stevens Sunquest. Get Ras on the wing. Yep, absolutely. And then my the dream would be to find a good second line center and roll Valeno as a third line center 
If not, I want Bolano as a second line center next year. Yep. I kind of like, uh, I guess I want to, maybe we'll touch on um, where this team's at more. So after the, we recap um, Wallman, but I do want to talk about that. I do have notes on that as well. Um, but yeah, Sunquist, I've liked what I've seen. Uh, he's got two goals, obviously. I mean, both pretty greasy, but no, I think he's earned them. I've liked what I've seen. Uh, playing higher up in the lineup is definitely not his thing, but in a depth role, I think he can be useful. I did, like on the live stream, I'm pretty sure I called him more of a cap dump, which was a bit harsh. And I mean, sure, the money works out exactly with Nick Letty retained it at 50%, which is the reason, but I think he's more than just that. And I think he actually is a very useful player especially being right-handed too, and a really good penalty killer. Just I agree. Them. Very positive thing. But the guy I'm super excited about, and I shouldn't be excited about a third-pairing defenseman, but here I am, Jake Wallman, who has been legitimately the Red Wings' best left-handed defenseman and probably second-best defenseman on the team since he's come in. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far to call him a third-pairing. I know he's been playing third-pairing. I, th- I see him as a guy that has a lot of potential still. Uh, skating wise, at least he comes in and he's second or third best skater on the team. I would say actually you can throw three guys in the mix. Cider, Osterly and him are all really good skaters. Wallman really gives me Letty vibes, which is really weird, but the way he breaks a puck out of the zone and how he is so patient with the puck. I honestly don't know that, that's a guy that I would be so easy to give up on. In St. Louis, I know they have a lot on defense. And even when Perunovic was healthy, he was playing under Perunovic, which is kind of crazy because he's so young and they're so deep. But I, I honestly don't know what happened there, why he wasn't playing more and what opportunities he wasn't getting. Because I, I legitimately did not know a lot about him before he came over. I've I watched him play a couple times, but I wasn't paying attention, so I didn't really think anything of it. You're not just speculating on one guy. And in a hidden role, you're not really going to notice him. But the more he's been playing and he's playing with confidence and shooting the puck, I've loved it recently. I know there's he'll make some defensive errors here and there, but that's going to happen. I, I'm really impressed. To give Blashell some credit, I did like the comparison to Nick Jensen. He compared him to Nick Jensen? In a sense of that he can defend with his skating. Okay. Because Nick Jensen is such a good skater. I don't think stylistically they're the same, but in skating-wise, Nick Jensen is an elite skater. Uh, Awkward, dep- but... It depends how you define good skater. Ilya Mikheyev's not a good skater, but he's fast. Nick Jensen's not a good skater, but he's fast. He's an effective skater. He's an yeah, effective actually, okay, skater. He's an effective skater. Jake yeah. Wallman's a smooth skater, but he's also has speed. So Nick- I guess it's... Yeah, like you said, Jake Wallman is a very smooth skater. Nick Letty's a very smooth skater. Osterley's very smooth. And Cider's smooth. I think Nick Jensen's a very effective skater. I love that word that Andy used. Kind of like Ilya Mikheyev. Very sloppy skater, but he's super effective. Uh, There's, I guess, yes, he is an effective skater on the back check, like if he makes a mistake to get back. Um, So, yeah. But I also like it in the sense that both – like Nick Jensen didn't make the Red Wings until what twenty seven? I'm pretty sure, something like that. Yeah, which is Jake Wallman's now like make like he played a little bit last season at 25, 24, 25, but he's twenty six at this point. So he's definitely. But I, I I agree in the sense I again 
on a good team, I don't think he's more than a third pairing guy, which is completely like, also we got him for nothing. Right. I would honestly accept if that trade was Jake Wallman for Nick Letty, I would have taken it. I, yeah, exactly. I, I said this last podcast where it was off one game though, like their first game, but uh, he looks like the player that we wanted uh, Letty to be kind of from the the very small sample size, but for his effectiveness with that first pass, like first breakout pass, breaking other plays up defensively and using his skating, as we all just mentioned, just talked about. I think that's where we kind of, I mean, obviously we brought in Letty for the veteran factor too, but which obviously Wallman does not have, but playing wise, I think he's kind of what we hoped Letty would be. And we kind of found it in a weird roundabout way so far anyways, in the small sample size with Wallman. And he's such a shooting threat. Yeah, like that first game ball. against Philadelphia, he crossed the blue line a couple times and just ripped it. And he has a cannon head down, <laughs> just head oh, down. He does not care. It. I mixed no, on I that. It. I I like the mentality there, but I almost would like a more of a Nick Letty approach. I, I honestly would like him to watch Nick Letty because they are similar similar stylistic players. I think the way Nick Letty approaches a zone and slows down the play. There are times he should be doing that a little bit more. But, yes, I, I, when you get the puck at the blue line and there's traffic in front, why are the hell are you not shooting the puck? That's my biggest pet peeve with Hironic. When he does that, he plays his best hockey because his shot is so lethal. And Jake Wallman has done that since he's gotten here. And you know who another player that does that? Who his shot's not as strong, but he gets shots through? Levy. Levy. He gets shots through, and it, it's so chaotic. Why, why don't they do that more? I, I hate that if, if you have a lane shoot. That's one of the uh, met one of the very many things that made Lidstrom so good is he just if he had no choice and he couldn't really dump it in, but there's traffic in front of that. Obviously, Thomas Holmstrom being the best net front man in the NHL for how long? He just threw on net, and it was so effective for so long. Where, like you said, it's frustrating. Where Hironic, he when he has the freaking pill. He will not – well, there's some games he'll throw everything at the net. And there's other games he holds on to it, throws in the corner, loses it or whatever. It's like if you really don't know what to do and you have half a lane, it doesn't have to be a hard shot. Just try and feather it in there even. Well, because even when he feathers it, it's a nice shot. I, exactly. I've I, That game against Toronto where he had, however, four points or whatever, Yeah, he was feathering shots on the net and Jack Campbell Perfect. was playing a, abysmal and he just kept – the box just kept going in. Yeah. Uh, and that's the difference between Cider and Heronic. Cider has good enough hands to not have to do that all the time, to just throw pucks on that or dump pucks into the corner. He can make a play at the blue line and you can be patient with the puck. And along with Wallman, I wouldn't hate to see Wallman make a couple of plays and wait for better opportunities where you have moving screens or yeah. wait for a moving tip. I, I like that in a defenseman, but also you have to have – I love how you levy has that mentality to shoot the puck. You're not skilled enough to play with it at the blue line. Heronic's right. not skilled enough to play with it at the blue line. I think Heronic has a lot of upside, but stick handling is not his upside. He's a horrible puck handler. Yeah. With, with Wallman there too. I feel like like the role when he did get in the lineup with St. Louis, his role was basically 
if the puck does come back to him and there's no option, it's just a fire on net because St. Louis is a crash and bang type team where they're going to be always around the net anyways. So I think that that's just kind of leaking into his game, which it's, it's never a bad shots on goal is never a bad thing. Obviously you want traffic and you want to be ideal, more ideal timing, but I mean, <clears throat> who knows one of those shots with his from the blue line on a one-on-one with a back checker, <laughs> it might go in. You never know. I mean, like you said, it's a freaking cannon. So yeah, but that's, that's where I don't, like, I don't get why he's not on the second unit in the power play. Oh, exactly. I don't understand that either. I hate that because I know it's the mentality is there to shoot the puck, but also he's, he's so cool and uh, he doesn't panic. And I think that's crazy that he doesn't panic for coming from a place where he's been playing 10 to 12 minutes a night. It's incredible actually to me. Hey, Jake I mean, he is, he is pretty cool. You're, he's t- TikTok yeah. star. <laughs> I was going to say, Hey, Jake Wallman, you're a cool guy. <laughs> I actually those, watched those- some of his TikToks this recent weekend i don't have tiktok but neither do i uh i watched some of them and some of them were really funny and then other ones i i think i had to turn my phone off yeah there was a couple of them i'm like oh i didn't like that (laughs) but uh, the ones with the cereal was really funny yes and the push-up one was hilarious too yes that yeah good stuff yeah we like that we like a guy with personality yeah i don't care if that personality is bad or not personality is good yeah well, not personality in a bad way where he's a locker room cancer, but like I guess cringing. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Grant's yeah, not yeah. Grant's not rooting for a locker room cancer. No, I. Yeah, let me right specify. now. Right now, like Jake Wallman, uh, definitely NHL talent, like and should be an everyday guy. I'm curious how much he's got left in the t- like to prove. You know what I mean? Um, I, I wonder if he can be a top four guy. Is my question. Right? Would you right would you con- would you consider Nick Jensen to be a top four guy right now? Five. Uh, Five it depends how you value a team. I think he's a very good fifth defenseman. Yeah. I, okay. But to argue your argue that I think Jake Wallman has so much more potential than Nick Jensen. Nick okay. Jensen's a very good puck moving defenseman that plays a good shutdown game too, and he fits into the Washington organization very well because he can just move the puck up ice, and that's why his plus minus has been. At the start of the year, at least, when they were hot, it was amazing. Yeah. It was, like, not too, not very long into the season. And I don't know if, like, I'm not sure how many minutes he was playing, but he was, like, a plus 32. I was like, holy crap, yeah. where did this come from? Like, it was, like, it was insane. It was, was like, like oh, him and Gustav Forsling, they play a similar stylistic game, and yeah. they both were heavily plus players because they moved the puck so well. I think, like I said, I think Jake Waldman is – has a lot more offensive capability than Nick Jensen does. I think that yeah. still is yet to be unlocked. Right now, we've just, unlocked smooth skating and poised with the puck. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, like, right now, like, on any solid contending or, like, playoff team, I'd say he's a five, a strong five, a, a, like, arguably a four defenseman, potentially, but, like, the lack of experience, that's that's still, like, like the question mark. I can see that. But, like, on our team... I can see him being like, like, like we just said, he's, he's a two right now. I, I don't, I like, don't, don't think it's much of a downgrade from Letty. I, I know for no. St. Louis, you're gaining experience, and Letty's a, probably a very good locker room guy, I would imagine. And I think that's very important for a team like St. Louis right now. And the couple of games I have watched of St. Louis's since he went over there, he's looked very good. He's been arguably their best defenseman because Krug got hurt. He's yeah. been playing. I, I think. 
going back to a defense first organization is really going to help Nick, Nick Letty. And I'm happy yeah. for him. Yeah. And, and I'm happy for the return. St. Louis's standpoint, it's the veteran aspect, but also like experience with going through the cup finals and winning a cup ultimately. Yeah, literally. Which, last... which now like a lot of their core guys up front have, but who's is a Pareko? And then who else was the only other guy that was there for the cup? There's only a couple defensemen that were there for the cup. Crew came after the cup, correct? Yeah. Bortuzzo. Yeah. Bortuzzo. Yeah, that's it. I, I think that's it. I was Sc- the Scandella there or no? Nope. I don't even uh, know when Scandella got there. I remember. Scandella got there last. Yeah, I have no year. idea. He's, he's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think they have many defensemen. I mean, like, Justin Falk was there afterwards, but, like, he's a good defenseman and stuff like that. Like, they have good D crew, like you said, but they don't have the – I just think that core is aging. So, like, their defensive core is kind of aging a bit. I think losing a guy like Jake Waldman that has that potential kind of sucks. Right. I understand you have Perunovic coming up, and he's going to be a stud. I don't know if you guys remember watching him during the prospect tournament. Oh, my. He was literally the best player in that whole yeah, tournament. Yeah, he was. And then his AHL stats, I think he was seven points over a point per game before he got called up. He had, like, 28 points in 20 games or something like that, or 21 games or something. It was ridiculous. And he's so fun to watch. But he's a guy that's only 20, 21, 22. Maybe 23. I don't know. He's, but. I think he's a 98 or okay. 99. I think he's a 99. Okay. Because he, he went undrafted, then he went he went second round the next year. Because he drafted as a 19-year-old. Yeah, he's he's a stud. He's yeah, going to be really no. good. Really good. Um, also, I wanted to I, – I forgot to add this about Sonny. Uh, his favorite Red Wing was Thomas Holmstrom, which I just, he immediately became one of my favorite Red Wings just off of that <laughs> comment alone because Thomas Holmstrom is the best. Um, so do we want to go, um, outlook of the team right now, or do you want to save that more for like offseason content? We can go into the prospect talk. I think we should go into prospect talk. I, I think we've been a little, uh, grim today. Talk about some nice things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's, uh, I think it's time to look to the future and specifically defense. Cause yeah, that's where we've been our worst. Um, shy Booyam. Should we start with shy? Yeah, uh, I'm pumped. Also, kind of sucks. So in two weeks, Grant and I are going to the Red Wings game against the Blue the Blue Jackets. But unfortunately, the Frozen Four is also the same weekend, and it's in Boston. So I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I yeah, I planned poorly. Um, I might try to go the seventh when they're there because it's seventh, eighth, and ninth, and I don't leave. I don't fly out until the eighth. So I might try to. I might try to grease it. We'll see. Um, yeah, Shai Booyam, uh, obviously with Denver this year, I've loved his game. I think he's, again, he's more of a, he's kind of developed as the season's gone on, but he's very, he's raw in the sense of he still gives up a lot of the defensive stuff, but offensively he pinches in real nice and he's a big boy and has a lot of skill and is willing to shoot the puck as well, which I really like. Yeah, he's crafty. That's what I like about his game. I think it's, he he's he is real raw, and I think there's a lot to his game to process. He's kind of a goofy, a very goofy defender. I know he's been a forward most of his life, and he recently just had switched. But I, 
he's an odd one to watch, to be honest. I, I haven't watched him all that much. I think I've watched two games this year from him. And uh, it was they were earlier games too, so he wasn't playing his best hockey. But he shows he shows his edge that he's willing to play with the puck, and I like that. Yeah, I think it's kind of been the mold that Eisman has looked for. Uh, defensemen who are very competent in handling the puck and kind of the guys, they need to iron out the defensive play. I look at William Wallinder as well as like those project second round picks where they're they're very boomer bust for defensemen, and but they have all that raw talent that it could when it if it does pan out it could be really really good, which is what I really like. Um, but he's got he has 17 points in 38 games, which is really good for a freshman. Yeah, that is. Not to mention he's not really getting any power play time with Sean Barons, who's really good. He's a he's stud. Their, he's their power play. He's good, man. Is he Avalanche prospect as well? Yes. <laughs> The rich get richer. Yeah. But the Avs. Exactly. Like they, they get rid of Justin Barron and they're like, all right, cool. We have Sean Barron's. See ya. Yeah. Right. He's really Dick. exciting. Yeah. Um, but no, I've been really impressed with Bowie. I mean, also, like, he's there with two other Red Wing prospects in Tuomisto and Mazer. And he's kind of like, not to say Tuomisto hasn't really played this year, but like, he's taken a lot of minutes away from Tuomisto. I've kind of looked at. I don't know if you see it the same way as I, I do. Yeah, a little bit. I I don't know. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I don't know that Toomey still has been all that much in his first couple of years at college. Or his first again, year. He's, he's also a very, like, again, he fits the Eisman mold, a very raw. Yeah. Big, big body, can shoot and can make plays, but struggles in his own end sometimes. Um, but, yeah, also, I guess while we're in Denver, we might as well round up the whole team. Carter Mazer. I, this guy, more and more he plays, the more and more I'm like, is he a top six potential? Is he? He's a really interesting case. I don't. He's so much fun to watch. The last I love his game. In, in the tournament, I've liked. I liked watching him a lot. He's a ball of energy, man. I like <laughs> him. His favorite player being Darren Helm. I'm like, it kind of fits. <laughs> Just nonstop moving his feet. <laughs> yeah. Also, like taking a couple questionable penalties here and there of the rough. A little chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, especially the World Junior one where he absolutely hammered the guy without the puck. I'm like, dude, his his adrenaline was just through the roof, and he's just like, I'm just hitting this guy no matter what. Um, he's also like, he ta- he shoots the puck a lot, which I really like. He's been part of Denver's, basically been first unit all year in that front guy on he, Denver, which he's really good in front of the net, which I like yeah. to see. I think that's really important for a guy to be able to get to the dirty areas and. That Larry defines his game as getting to the dirty areas. So there's a lot to be excited about there with him. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm i like, more and more I see him like, yeah, man, I think he, he we got something there. And that was the pick we were the least excited about out of the 2021 crop, like f- based on position. Yeah. And that's one of the ones where I'm like, yeah, we, we nailed that. I'm more than happy with that. Um, I also love how he just wears 34 too. I just love that number. He's, he's, he's the best 34 that ever played. Yeah. Yeah. No, not, true. True. I yeah. can't think of another one. No, not one. <laughs> not one other guy comes to mind. Not the guy that's like arguably the leader for the heart, but whatever. And Rocket. I mean, and Rocket. Uh, yeah. Has a gross mustache and is friends with Justin Bieber. Beeps. Beeps. Oh, oh yeah. While we're on that, like quick, what'd you guys think of the Toronto Maple Leafs Bieber, Bieber's jersey? I'm mixed. 
I kind of hate I thought it. it was, I, I thought it was cool to kind of like the Biebs. I think he's a he's a great musician, and I don't know. I think it's funny that him and he's friends with like all the Leafs players, but I, I thought the jerseys were terrible. <laughs> Here's one thing I have to say about that. So, um, like Toronto has like the Toronto MLSE, like the organization that owns all Toronto's major sports. Um, they they've had, I guess, a global ambassador in the, in the Raptors for or for the Raptors in Drake. And I think Drake was just doing it to like kind of just promote himself and like try and play the Canadian card a little bit. Like I don't know. Like I, I like Drake. I'm I'm not like a Drake hater. I'm like I don't know. But at least with Bieber, he grew up a Leafs fan. So like if I don't know why they just don't make him a global ambassador for the Leafs already. They should it would make more. It would make more sense as to why they did the jersey collab. <laughs> but also, it doesn't really make sense to me like why it's reversible because they're just gonna wear the Toronto. <laughs> Jersey and stuff like I wasn't sure if they're gonna wear the other one on a different date or right. They, they wore the warm ups and they flipped them inside out. I was yeah. like, okay, but like it was weird because like my buddy Willie, he's uh he's a Leafs fan and like I was talking to him Facetime last last week before they uh, <clears throat> released the uh, leaked the pictures of the jerseys, and I was like, uh, I was watching NHL Network and they're like tuning in on Leafs practice. I was like, why are they wearing? like black pants and helmets and stuff like that. But it was also the same day they're wearing um, like mix, 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 mass, Mitch, holy frick, different socks. <laughs> and it was oh, for, for uh, autism. Autism. Yeah. For, Which is cool. I like, I was like, okay, well maybe. Yeah, cool. So I was like, okay, maybe they're just doing like different things, like whatever, like cool. I wasn't sure if that had anything to do with it or not. And then all of a sudden they come out and leak this jersey the next, oh, it was, I was over in Canada watching uh, trade deadline day. And uh, on the road, friggin' Sudbury. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, I was in Sudbury. I, I hate that place. Um, sorry, sorry, Bert, but you're from a shit town. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like FaceTiming him while I was waiting for my, my grandma. I was like, why are they wearing like black unis and stuff? But I don't know. I thought they were all right. They're cool for like a futures game. It's weird for original six team to go out, out on a limb like that, I would say. Like to change their color scheme. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's all I kind of brought yeah, into it. But get back on track of the prospect talk. Um, kind of a interesting, definitely a polarizing guy in Sebastian Cosa. Um, has had a very interesting year. It seems like the adjustment back to the all division play for Cosa hasn't gone well. Uh, he's. Uh, 31, 8, and 3, which is, I mean, a great record, but he's got 9, 11 uh, save percentage, and he got yanked last night. Yeah, he was, what, 10 for 14 last night and a 5-1 loss. That's a tough one. Recently, and the thing about Edmonton is they don't give up a whole lot of shots, and lately he's been getting shelled. He'll have a good game in there every once in a while, but I, I, can't, I can't speak on him very much because I haven't watched him, and I I guess I don't really watch the the WHL all that much. I mean, I've watched a Hannes game, but I guess I don't know goalies either. I'm terrible at speculating on goalies and saying what they need to fix and how they need to be better. So uh, let's get Fugue on it. Yeah, let's Call get Fugue. Right Fugue. We need Fugue to watch uh, Kosa. So, yeah. No, ultimately, like with Kosa, like I'm not worried. Uh, the Red Wings took him for the potential. 
obviously with any goalie prospect, like besides any guy not named Marc-Andre Fleury is like going to take years and years to develop. I mean, look at Nedeljkovic. He didn't make the NHL until 25. So I'm not in, like, I'm not really worried about Kosa. I, I think next year, maybe with some more stability in Grand Rapids, because I think that's ultimately where he's going to end up. There's no, I don't see a reason why he needs to be in the WHL again next year, especially with his age, because he can. Um, I'm just curious how they run the Griffins goalie tandem. Like, do they bring back a Pickard? So he has like that veteran guy to rely on. You know what I mean? Have that solid third. It's hard to do that, though. They're in a sticky situation. Do you believe in Bradstrom possibly being a goalie for the future, too? Because I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think Bradstrom's had a lot of upside or has a lot of upside. And I think he showed that he, there is something there. I wouldn't say that he's really raw. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think coming to Grand Rapids has been really good for him. And right now he's in a role that if Pickard's hurt, he's probably getting called up. And then Grand Rapids is a new world of hurt because they're not going to have a goalie. Red Wings have such a, like an interesting goalie like pipeline. I mean, we have a guy like – we have two guys we need to make decisions on pretty quick here with um, Philip Larson, who has had a pretty decent year in the Swedish second league uh, after rebounding. after He was great at Denver, and we're all super pumped on him. I'm like, all right, great. We have the goalie of the future. We're calling him a starter. And then he went to Grand Rapids and played like seven games and had an 840. And we shipped him off to the Danish league during the pandemic. Like he's been all over. And another guy who I forgot about completely it was a Red Wing prospect when I was doing my research for this. Um, Joran Van Pottelberg. Do you remember yep. him? Yeah, oh, have you seen God. his numbers in the Swiss League? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's been good. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, he's gotten like a 925 from the Swiss League. Yep. He's been great. That, so it's that man to man coverage. Yeah, like, and it's a guy, another guy. He obviously he's like Larkin's age at this point. He's a 2014 draft pick, but I'm like. Maybe like maybe he comes over next year to the AHL and like see what he has. I don't know. So it's gonna be interesting like moving forward with the goalies. Cause I think there's a couple guys kind of fighting for those a- that AHL time. Obviously, well, Kosa's Kosa's the guy we need to be most like he needs to get most of the time, but there are a couple guys there. Do we still have Caden Fulcher too? I mean, yeah, who cares about him? He just got called up recently, but he's been yeah. back at Bradstrom. I don't know. And then you got Bednas too. Yeah, that's right. He'll be, I think, he's an O two. So, oh he's yeah, got one right. more he's... year of eligibility, but he'd have to be an overager, wouldn't he? Technically, uh, yeah, he would be play. an overager. That's another one too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good call there. I know. Yeah. So the Red Wings have a bunch of guys. They have like five guys for two spots. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting how Sean Horkoff and company handle that. Um, but yeah, I'm not worried about. Kosa at all i'm not um let's talk about sticking with grand rapids uh jonathan bergeron we kind of talked about him a little bit ago grant mentioned sweet goalie scored but again i want him nothing to do with detroit right now he's his focus is on grand rapids and carrying that team to the playoffs and when the season ends for in detroit uh joe valeno will be joining him because steve eisman made valeno available to the grand rapids play uh playoffs on the at the deadline because that's that was the the rule you have to send players down that you want that that can play in the AHL playoffs by that day. So I guess him and Hiroshi. I I I could talk about Bergen for hours just because I love I love his his play style. It's so satisfying to watch for me. I love a player that just roams around the, the offensive zone looking for passing plays. I think those kind of players are so fun to watch. 
I there he's still very raw. I mean, he's so damn talented. I fell in love with him last year. Uh, watching his games with more open ice gave him more space to make plays. And I think the adjustment over here, it took him a little bit to adjust. And he had that little span of, I think, seven games at the start of the year where he maybe had one point, and which was good for him. I think recently after that, he kind of took flight point-wise and has been one of Grand Rapids' best producers when you have a guy like Riley Barber on the team too, who is an AHL All-Star, and Taro Rossi, who is also an AHL All-Star. Yeah. But I think Bergeron is – there's so much there, and I think, like I said earlier, I think he's a player that could easily be ruined because of the type of player he is. And that's why I think you need to be gentle with him and almost baby him. I know that sounds – really lame but he needs to be babied does he make the team next year is my no yeah he does not he's a project and again with with good teams when you start coming up you need those de- like you need guys that like are able to crack the lineup like 40 games into the season and then iron out their roles you know what i mean like there's a chance he comes in like there's an injury like fabry like this year let's say it was next year and fabry got hurt and he was able to come in like a top six role and like earn his way. That that's just so much so valuable to destroy it. He's not a guy you can just plug into a third and fourth line. He's a guy no. that if you're gonna put him in the lineup, he's got to be ready to play top six or middle six if your third line's a skilled, a skilled line that he can. I know he played third line in Sketa, however you say it. Left, I, never, I don't think it's that's how you pronounce it, but I don't know. Left, yeah, it. I don't know either. Yeah, we're just going to sound really dumb trying to pronounce it, but he played anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes a night there, and he had 45 points in 49 games. That's literally ridiculous. I don't care who, 12 minutes a night, 12 to 15 minutes a night, you're putting up 45 points in 49 games in a league that you don't score all that much. That's just flat out dumb. And so that's a player that you need to take time with. And I think another year in the minors will not hurt him whatsoever. And you guys Especially surround with, all him the, with good young players. Yeah. All that talent coming into the likes of Soderblom, Ed, like Edvinson, depending where he lines up. I know Eisman said that most likely he's going to be in North America. Albert Johansson, most likely as well. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like the Grand Rapids is going to be exciting. Cross Hannes, probably as yep. well. And maybe a couple college guys. I don't know. We'll see what decisions are made that way. Um, yeah, I've loved Bergeron's game. I, I I agree with you. Um, Edvinson uh, can't come to Detroit soon enough. Yeah, I I'm kind of mixed on him right now too. Where I see fit for him, I've loved his game personally. I think there are a lot of kinks there too. Uh, more so, he's less dominant with the puck as Cider was last year in the SHL. And so he's a player that I I wouldn't hate to see him in the AHL at the start of the year. I understand how that might suck because he probably would be one of the best defensemen after a little adjustment period in the NHL. But I wouldn't hate hate to see him adjust to the smaller sheet and give him time. Actually, I kind of would hate it. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of there for for, uh, to watch hectic play. I, I think he's so fun to watch. He's great no. at jumping into plays. 
on the rush after intercepting passes. Probably one of the best defensemen I've ever seen at jumping in the neutral zone, jumping on pucks, breaking yeah. up passes. Yeah, and, and also it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be forgotten that he's a year younger than Cider was in his year in the SHL. Yeah, they're, I, I'm kind of saying they're totally different players. And yep. I know Cider got the kind of no offense of outlook and after he was drafted, everyone said he has no offensive upside kind of deal. And I think Cider is a very high offensive defense or can put up high offensive numbers as you're seeing this year. I don't think that's quite the same as Edvinson. I think he can, but it's more of a it's he's an, a very odd defenseman. I guess I, I don't really I don't have a comparison for him. He's very unique is the word I'm looking for. He loves jumping into plays, but he plays below the goal line. I've never seen it before from a defenseman. He's so hectic, but it's so fun because he's good defensively too. He, he's like I the think, first guy on the four check. Yeah, the four he, check. he leads, <laughs> so he leads all U20 defensemen or all U20 players in the SHL in penalty kill time a game. He's good on the kill because his stick's so long and he's good at reading plays. And time on ice, he leads U20 players. And I think he's, he's averaging around 19 to 20 minutes a night. Basically. He's a player that I am really interested to see how he plays at an NHL level because – when he was drafted, I did not expect steps this fast because I, th- I thought he was very raw, and he still is very raw. Don't get me wrong, but the rawness is less raw. Maybe he is still super raw, and it's just the rawness has less. The rawness raw. is we less have raw. a new episode title, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still with us at this point, <laughs> yeah. If you're still, yeah, you're still with us. I'm kind of on a, an Edvinson spree. I could also no, no, no. Like I agree with Edvinson. Like his draft. biggest cons- his biggest concerns at the draft were like his decision making, and that's like what Frederick Schustrom, the uh, general manager of Forlunda, that's like the thing he's praised the most with Edvinson is decision making, which is crazy to think about. Is like just that 180, like the 360 turn. Yeah, I guess 180. 180, watching, thank you. Nice. Watching the way Cider yeah. evades checks in the D zone or how patient he is instead of rushing a pass. I have seen that a lot from Edmondson too this year, mm-hmm. which is kind of very interesting. I wonder if that's something that's being taught from top to bottom. Hopefully. A little bit. Um, yeah, no, I am super excited. Preseason is going to be huge for Edmondson this next year. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how Eisman's free agency moves, how they kind of correlate with how Edmondson will fit in. Like if they sign like a, you know, like another Jordan Osterley type on the left side, you're like, okay, well, I can see where Edmondson fits in. Or if they're going to go another, like a more of a top four guy they bring in or like a trade, you know what I mean? Yeah, because technically you have one defenseman going to next year. I consider Wallman as a left-handed defenseman going to next year. One yeah, left-handed absolutely. defenseman I meant. Right, and there's no other ones. Oh, and Osterley, I see, is a possible seventh defenseman. Recently, well, yeah, yeah. I'm saying he's left. I'm saying he's left-handed. Yes, I. I guess I'm saying is those are two spots you could fill. Yep, I agree. I'm saying one. One of those spots is locked. I think. Yeah, I agree. Wal- I agree. With Waltman that. is a lock to be in the lineup next year. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, but another left-handed defenseman that's really uh, caught everyone's eye. I think he's the most improved Red Wing prospect this season. Uh, William. William Wallander, he's 
tied side or tied cider tied uh, Edmondson in SHL scoring. And I and think he went he went from playing eight minutes to eighteen minutes by the end of the year, which is crazy to think about. Rogla was SHL's best team, right? Yep, they won the league this year for like regular season. Which like how, just, how rare is that that you see? I don't know. Was he he would be a rookie in the SHL this year, right? Uh, no, he, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He played. Uh, he played Alfenskin last year. Yeah, yeah. And his okay, number, so, he played with Moto, and I don't. His numbers were not near. I think he was one in five in forty three games. Yeah, but like for ice time alone, like you don't really see any rookie at any position double their almost double their ice time in the same season from start to finish. Like, well, I think it's crazy that I I love, um kind of the way they took the approach they took with him. I think they really gave him an opportunity there, I th- which is really interesting to me, especially after how Cider really played in their system last year. He was so fun to watch. And I think Wallander has been really – I've watched him a couple times this year, and I he's, he's kind of fun. I think he's kind of hectic as well. But I love the way he roams around the blue line and takes shots too. I, we talked about this earlier with Wallman and Ulebi, the way they have that shooting mentality. A lot of Wallinger's assists come off of rebounds in front of the net because Rogla is very scrappy in front of the net. I mean, you got guys like Tambellini and, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to forget the other guy's name, but he's really good in front of the net too. But Tambellini is really good in front of the net. Uh, I think Wallinger is a very interesting case. I, I don't think he would come over next year. I think no. They might sit him another year, uh, but recently I've loved watching him. I know it should be noted that the other game I, I, I was watching a Frolunda Robla game the other day, and they went to three on three overtime. And Wallander was the first defenseman on the ice for Robla. Was so that the same just, game where he shut down Soderbloom? Yes, uh, that, was fun. that was fun. Granted, he was a dash one in three on three overtime. They got scored on right away, but shows what trust they have in him. I mean, Edvinson wasn't even the first defenseman out for Frolanda. I think it was Christian Follin. Yeah. So just put do that you, into perspective. Do you think Blashill's watching like these prospects over no. there and getting getting ice time and stuff and he's just losing his mind because like, <laughs> they're just going against everything he believes in? He's like that's allowed. You can you can play an 18 to 20 year old or 18 to 24 year old like over like 12 minutes a night unless they're one of two people. I thought that was a CBA. I thought that was a CBA rule. Yeah, I swear to God. I kind of want that to be jumped in though on Garth, like to transition that into Niederbach. Yeah. Because I've hated the way Niederbach's been played in Frolanda's system. Oh, it's bad. And I think the way that almost that Rogla has been playing their players are young kids. Like Marco Casper sees quite a bit of ice time and he's not even drafted yet. <laughs> he's pretty good. I like Casper. He's really good. I love watching him. If, I the had, were picking, if they were picking like 15, I'd be like, that's the guy I want, but we're going to be picking too high. Yeah. Um, the rumor mill about Niederbach possibly going to Rogla next year, I think that could be very good for him. Yes. I almost think like, if he doesn't go, like I'm, I'm more than fine going to Rogla. Rogla has proven to be a really good place for, for SHL prospects. I almost wonder if we sign him to an ELC and he comes over to Grand Rapids. I also wouldn't hate that. 
Um, I like Niederbach is an ext- he's weird, not a great skater, but he's so smart. Very smart and very, very good hands. Yes. And his shot's very underrated too. Yes. I think he's really good around the net too. I just don't a small understand. Guy. Like whenever he's on the ice, he's making stuff happen and he just doesn't get the time of day for ice time. And that's kind of how it goes with Soderbloom too. I mean, he'll be so explosive some games, then one game he'll have, which happens with big players usually, he'll have kind of an off game and not look great. And uh, I know one game recently where I watched, he wasn't fabulous, but, and then he'll only play 12 minutes that night. Yeah. More recently, I saw the past couple of games, his ice time's logged in around like 10 to 12 minutes. And then Niederbach is eight to 10. Yeah. Which is which is silly. Like they're, I, I know they're not like the top guys. Like you obviously have Ryan Lash, who's leading the SHL in scoring. That's not Very, true. Soderblom's one of the best forwards on that team. Oh yeah, excuse me. I, I meant more so Niederbach. Yeah, thank you. Niederbach for more me. so, but I I even think he's better than a lot of the forwards that are playing. He's they play veteran players. Frolando loves their veteran players. Yes. Like not to be mean, but Joel Lundqvist, I don't think he's great. Jan Mersak, Red Wings legend. Jan, Jan Mersak. I know him and Niederbach just connected with a goal not too many nights ago, which was kind of electric. But <laughs> uh, no, like passing Ryan the torch, La- if you will. Ryan Lash is very good. Yes, no, he's sick. I love Ryan Lash. He's fun to watch. Five seven king. Yes, living it up in in Sweden. But no, he's obviously, a power forward like Grant was. Yeah, yeah another power, power forward. forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, again, Niederbach, he kind of had that stint, and it was right around where Max Boltman, the Red Wings athletic writer, was over in Sweden. Like, he was there for four games with Frölunda, and he scored – Niederbach scored, like, three, three, three goals in that weekend, which is really funny. He had, like, the best weekend of his career while he was there, and so, like, obviously there was a ton of coverage, which I was really excited to see. But I agree with the underrated shot, and you also saw that in the uh, World Juniors, the short period he was there. He was playing bumper on the first unit, and he ripped the ripped that one. On the yeah. bumper, that was sick. He looked good in the World Juniors. I'm so just curious if if we can develop into a, into a center. I know he's been playing wing most of the time, but obviously he was drafted as a center. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you guys, um, I was going to save it to when we wrap up all the prospect talk, but uh, one, what do you think about the World Juniors being in August? Like, are you guys excited for that? Do you have some, something Bumped. to look towards? Yes. But we, we, also, have, we have, Andy, we have content. Exactly. I, I hate that the World Juniors is so in mid NHL season. I think it's so stupid. Yeah, it's it breaks up like a lot of like the junior, like the CHL and other junior leagues too. It's just stupid because those teams still continue to play and lose their superstars, so it's boring to watch. Yep. In my in my opinion, unless they like have a stud that like <laughs> that should like he's a sixteen year old stud that went to camp, but he's he's not going to make it just because of his age type of deal. But like. That's a rarity. Right. But no, like, it's interesting to see what some of these players are going to do. Like, like, like Kosa, he's going to be on the team and for Team Canada, right? He'll see if he gets to play this time. Well, who knows? <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. We'll see. You know, hope, hopefully, at least. I don't know. Like, I'm curious about a guy like William Wallander who didn't get the invite right. initially. And That's, with this, I was just going to ask that. But, I think he's going to make it, and especially if the Red Wings don't want to send Edmondson because that's a, um, something Friedman's talked about. Is oh, teams thought, not wanting like Owen Power might not play. Um, yeah. guy like Mason McTavish, like Canada could have a bunch of new guys. Um, Edmondson might not go. 
we'll see. I mean, obviously it could be a really good stepping stone for Evanson, but there's a chance of injury. And then like you ruin his chances at making the team. That's really see, interesting. How like, I, how I read it though, is that they had like, they don't have to, but like every team or well, no, how I read it is that they'd, they'd be playing with the same exact rosters that were back there in December, which I think they should do that. I feel which, like if you're a kid that makes the team, you should have, I, I feel like so bad for a kid if they made the team and then you're like, yeah, you, your spot's been taken over and you were on the team originally didn't get the chance to play for your country. And what about like Thomas Bordalo? You know what I mean? The guy who got COVID yeah. before, or he was hurt, I think something like that. That's another. Right. So like, I think the rule that you might be right with the initial rule, but I think if they, the team chooses like Owen power, let's say, cause he's not I, like, he's going to be signed by Buffalo. I think it's the yeah. team's choice if they want to set like the NHL's team, if they have rights or whatever. Yeah. They might not send them. And Buffalo's yeah, bad at letting cool. players do what they want. So, uh, I mean, that should be interesting. Know. I mean, but it sounds like Owen Power, like as soon as Michigan is done, like he's going to go to Buffalo and play. I'm just saying they're bad at like letting players do what they want. Like, fair enough. I mean, surgery right. wise. Uh, sorry. Fair enough. But no, that, we, can have, we can have Carson on later. Also, happy belated birthday to Carson. Yeah. Happy, happy belated, belated birthday to Carson Gates. Clicks. We haven't had those in a couple Clicks. episodes. Clicks. Yeah. Yeah, we I did wasn't expecting to have clicks this episode, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Carson had to bring it out, so yeah, that's right. Um, but no, I, I, I'm excited for World Juniors in August because it's going to give us some summer content. Because uh, after Stevie Stevie Eisman's uh, you know summer of wonders, I'm there's gonna be a couple lean weeks. Yeah, we might be we might be taking a vacation in the middle of there. That's all right. I'll work my golf game. Oh, I thought you meant like a vacation with the three of us. We could, like, yeah, we could do that. Where okay. should we go? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't care. Let's go to Fernanda. That's good. Yeah, I would love to. Go hang out with Raymond. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I wrapped up the prospect like talk. That. I don't think so either. Uh, I just kind of think it's gonna wrap up the prospect talk, and I don't have anything else for this episode. Do you guys have anything? Uh, gotta mention my four point game, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And he's a sick men's league player, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, it was an Apple machine yesterday, boys. I was going to talk about Albert Johansson a little bit because no one ever talks about him. That's and a great just, segue for me to him. He's <laughs> Him and Andy play really similar games, so oh, I thought shit. I'd bring him up. <laughs> Go ahead. No, Go ahead. I just think he's a prospect that gets no attention, and I kind of don't like it. Uh, I know there's – Something else that I was going to touch on, but I totally forgot. There's a interesting situation with left-handed buildup in our prospect pool where we have so many left-handed defensemen. I think one is going to get moved within the next year. And you have Albert Johansson, William Wallander, Simon Edvinson, Shai Buiam, Jared McIsaac. Sabrango. Sabrango. Vero. Vero. All good prospects. Yes, legit NHL, like legit NHL talent. Which, if when you're Upside. when you're pushing, I shouldn't even mention this because uh, the Red Wings just lost eleven to two. But when you're pushing for positions that you need specific needs, like a second line center, where maybe even a first line center with the way Larkins are playing. Sorry, that was a little far. That was a little far. But um, it's okay. It's okay. But when you need a second-line center and you need to go out and trade one, there's got to be a team that is overwhelmed with centers and they need a left-handed defenseman, right? That's when you make a move. 
Like in LA? Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking to develop a player like Turcotte, yeah. And they want defense, I think that's a trade you should look at. I know we'd be getting a more of a player that's closer to being NHL ready than probably you're giving up, but I don't think they would mind to have another prospect. I, I mean, I don't think like a guy like Tobias Bjornfoot is what they thought he was going to be. Not to say right. that he's bad, but I don't think he's great. Yeah, no, for sure. I like how you brought that up with Johansson. And again, Johansson's a very good player and he should be treated as such because I very I very much like his offensive game because it's something Red Wings I just doesn't really have. I think he has a lot of defensive work that needs to be restructured. Yep. Kind of worked on. I, I absolutely he's almost a dash every game. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say a dash, but like he's I mean his numbers are really good offensively, but like pretty solid. Uh yeah. But I think you look for a guy like him to possibly dealt. Yep. I like that. I like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it for this one. We uh we went a little longer than expected. Cause I was like, I was you know, obviously we talked about before with planning of basing it right around the blashel and then going into the prospect talk, but we yeah, we went quite a while. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh hopefully the Red Wings play a little bit better this week. I'm just hoping for competitiveness. That's all I really care about. But um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening.